welcome to the only podcast that's all about Fort Meade, our community, and life in the military. I'm your host, Joe Nieves. And I'm your co-host, Sherry Kuyper, and you're listening to Fort Meade Declassified. We want to wish everyone a welcome back. Uh, you know, every, we just had Thanksgiving. Everybody, you know, either had family over or uh, went to see family. We hope everybody stayed safe, uh, did what we can to mitigate, you know, what's going on in the world. Um, but thank you for uh, coming back to us. And uh, we hope you we hope you all had a great time and, and we're ready to get back into it until the next holiday. Um, today's episode's a little short, um, but we had some very important information we wanted to get out and uh, we hope you find it informative. All right, today we have Dave Maisie from DPTMS. He's going to sit here and talk to us about the Recovery Review Board, uh, something he, we have here at Fort Meade to manage and mitigate the circumstances of COVID. Mr. Maisie, thank you for being here with us. I appreciate the time today. Thank you. And so uh, what is your position on the Recovery Review Board? Well, I'm the acting emergency manager for the garrison, so I kind of run roughshod uh, on behalf of the garrison commander to do the initial staffing um, for the Recovery Review Board. So with the Recovery Review Board, we accept um, the various uh, requests for services, requests for events, um, and consider them against mitigations uh, against COVID. Uh, for example, um, we take a look at the ability to do our normal fun runs throughout the year, and we look at what is the best way uh, in order to enact those while still keeping the community safe. Um, through this, we you know, determine that we need to go with a virtual aspect to the fun run. So uh, it's a matter of just, you know, figure out what's best for the community while still trying to uh, maintain safety for everyone. Okay. Uh, how many people do we have on, on the board? Well, at a minimum, uh, we have representatives from the Public Health Emergency Office, uh, from uh, the uh, JAG Office, and from Safety. Uh, but we also have representatives from each of the directorates uh, and tenant representatives if they desire to sit in on it so they either have an understanding of what's happening or can provide opinions, um, you know, for consideration uh, as we make the decision. Okay, excellent. So so we have uh, experts or leaders from different uh, various facets of what we do at Fort Meade with so that they have better perspectives on what needs to be done and how we could best do it, correct? Absolutely. This is a total staff effort. Uh, we do take a look at the issue holistically, uh, not just medically, although, you know, currently uh, the medical seems to have the priority over everything else. Makes sense. Okay. And so, so let's say, for example, a service wants to reopen or um, we're looking at a surge in numbers and we have to reevaluate what we're doing. W what's the first step? What do we, how do we start that process? Well, the way we do it is uh, we you know, have a meeting or say a briefing that's conducted every Thursday uh, at 9.15 in the morning for all the tenant units and the directors that care to listen in. And within that briefing, we discuss the process. So what we're looking for is there are some set documents we require from everybody. 
uh, just for consistency in regards to um, how we evaluate um, the mitigation efforts being presented to us. Um, those documents uh, can be found on our uh, Fort Meade COVID SharePoint, uh, and they're due to us by Tuesday afternoon. It gives me time to take a look at them, review them, make sure the I's are dotted, the T's are crossed, and you know, what they're presenting in regards to mitigations actually makes sense. Um, those are put before an initial staff review on Wednesdays called our Recovery Review Board. Uh, and that's, again, where the priority is, is the, the public health emergency officer, the uh, JAG, and the safety officers uh, take a look, along with the rest of the staff, but probably those three. We take a look at what's being offered, and we provide recommendations then to the garrison commander, um, who then takes a look at all this on Thursdays during what we call our recovery decision board, uh, in which the garrison commander or uh, Mr. Peterson, the deputy garrison commander, um, will review our recommendations in front of the entire staff, um, allow them to provide any last-minute commentaries, and then, uh, again, put forward for a decision. Now, some of these events uh, or issues are what we call garrison critical services, uh, those involving the CDCs, the school aid services, the fitness gyms, the MWR facilities, DECA APs, uh, the barber hair salons, and the chapels, those particular items have been re uh, retained for ultimate review by Major General Jones and MDW. So based upon what we you know, have from the garrison commander and his decision on Thursday, the following week we will then present it through the MDW, or the Military District of Washington's, uh, future Operations Board. So it'll go before MDW's Chief of Staff on the following Wednesday and then to General Jones that following Friday. That's very interesting. Um, and, and you brought up something. Um, I, th I think uh, our community definitely hits us on quite a bit with questions and with, with feedback. You mentioned that, for example, the gyms are ultimately decided, the status is ultimately decided on by Major General Jones, correct? Correct. So so this is the kind of thing that, that people have to take into consideration because we have received a lot of feedback about the gyms, is that the the guidance comes from, from really high up or pretty high up, and, and ultimately the decisions are made for the protection of the community, just like we do every other process the review board gets across their desk. I, I think exactly. that, yeah. and, you know, it provides a, a kind of a unique issue for our particular garrison. And actually quite a few of the garrisons within the military district of Washington is the fact that the preponderance of our workforce are scattered throughout the region. Uh, we're all not centrally located here on Fort Meade or even in the immediate three counties surrounding Fort Meade being Anne Arundel County, Prince George's, and Montgomery. Uh, you know, we actually have employees coming from as far as Pennsylvania, uh, from Virginia, uh, West Virginia. So, you know, when General Jones takes into consideration, uh, you know, these various factors and, and looking at our workforce and trying to do everything he can to protect the community and, more importantly, protect the workforce, um, that's what we got to abide by. And, and, you know, consider the fact that yeah, we, we may have very few cases on the installation itself, but the fact that our, our workforce 
in our community is from such a diverse locale. Yeah. Um, we got to take a look at everything around us. Yeah. And that's something I, I think uh, the patrons of the gym have to take into consideration as well. Or, you know, patrons, anybody who comes onto the installation, you know, it's not just what you're experiencing on the installation. It's everything you experience off the installation you bring with you, you know, and that's something that, that everyone has to keep in mind. There's so much more to this than just, you know, our work or the people we, we interact with on the installation. It's everything we interact with off base as well. And and that's and that has to be taken into consideration. So so I really appreciate the uh, um, the perspective. You know your you you know what your team is bringing to the table, and how it's helping us mitigate everything that's happening, uh, because this is a really, uh, for lack of a better word, crazy situation we're in, and we're all just doing the best we can with what we have. It it, it is you know, and if we look back three four months ago when we were. You know, looking at our transition when we were previously at HPCon Charlie, mm-hmm. and we were looking to go to HPCon Bravo, you know, it was a very slow, deliberative process. Um, just because you know Maryland and the local counties began to open up, uh, we still you know held back, um, and the intent from senior command was let's see what happens. We need to take a very conservative approach uh, in order to safeguard again the community and the workforce. And so what we're struggling with right now is we see the increased numbers, the exponential increase of numbers, both in, in new cases and hospitalizations occurring outside the wire. Uh, and how then do we enact restrictions you know, or, or you know, roll back some of those things we've opened in a timely manner um, to reflect that same conservatism? So... As we've seen, again, Anne Arundel County, Maryland, uh, Montgomery County, and Prince George has become very restrictive here in the last two, three weeks. How do we match that and even become more conservative, not with the intent of restricting everyone, but again, to create that protective atmosphere here within within our installation and our workforce to, to enhance that protection? Yeah, that you, you make a good point. Um, that actually brings up another question. Um, that we've we've received feedback over time is are we going to go back to Charlie and, and that's not that maybe not that might not be something you have the answer to but is that something that the team has discussed absolutely uh, we are discussing it uh, it's being discussed at the highest levels uh, the numbers are very troubling if we continue to go the same route, and when I say we, I'm talking about uh, Maryland specifically, although the other states definitely come into, into consideration. But if Maryland continues down the path it currently is with the increase in new case numbers and the hospitalizations, it's going to reach critical mass around Christmas time or immediately afterwards in regards to the ability to handle the new cases uh, in the hospitals. And it's not necessarily a, a, a matter of beds and equipment. It's a matter of the fact that our medical staff are being overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, we've, we've got great, uh, you know, medicines uh, and uh, treatments that have been perfected over the last uh, six to nine months. We've all heard the news about vaccines uh, being fast-forwarded out and, and initial distribution going out to critical locations. But HP Contrary is a very distinct possibility here within the next two weeks. But really, 
is that really going to mean anything to us? Because we're going to be, again, becoming more restrictive as we get closer to it. And a lot of those restrictions that we saw in previous trolley, we're going we're, we're to be implementing now. So I'm not sure there's really, you know, other than maybe a symbolic, you know, mental change in regards to the fact we're going from Bravo to Charlie, the actual changes here on the ground will be, you know, very subtle. They'll, they'll be the, you know, just the things that we've, we've become accustomed to. Okay, so so we're talking more like we'll we'll readjust how our, our operating hours for certain services. Um, we might look at are are we going to consider um, putting uh, people up front to check for temperatures again, or or did we ever do that? Yeah, we did that in the past, and you know I'm not sure we're going to go back to that. While it had some utility, I'm not sure it was really worth the the long term effort. You know, in regards to it was really effective. And that was right. one of the things that we're still looking at. It is a possibility. Um, but I will tell you, in regards to potential closures, um, there's a distinct possibility that we will cut back on some of our recreational or those facilities run by DFMWR. Um, as you've already seen, you know, we've had to close the bowling alley. Again, the consideration becomes what is necessary to support the garrison and to support the workforce uh, specifically in our mission. You know, we are here to support the NSA. We're here to support Cybercom and those 117 other tenant organizations in their ongoing military uh, and uh, federal government missions. So, you know, does the NSA really need to have our bowling alley open or our pet care center or our arts and crafts center? Those are nice to have but are they critical to the operations being conducted here? And that's the focus of this recovery group. You know, what, what truly is what we need to have operating to, to meet our nation's missions. I appreciate you bringing up some of the services that you bring up because sometimes our, our community, they don't, they don't, well, they're, they're interested in what impacts them. And sometimes they're, we don't take into consideration what impacts other people. So, you know, we, we were upset because we're, we're having to change the way we live, but ultimately it's for the better of everyone. It's what's going to keep everyone safe. So we just need to be patient and, and work our, ourselves through uh, what's going on. And I'm really grateful that we have something like the Recovery Review Board to determine what stays open, what closes, and ultimately, you know, what's going to keep the force healthy. Because we have to take in, into consideration all the people on the installation who work on the installation, including our service members. And, you know, that, that that's one of our biggest missions is to protect them. Exactly. You know, but I mean, the protecting them is on multiple levels. It's not just the, uh, the fact that, you know, we're trying to keep people healthy. You know, health comes in multiple ways. It's not just away from COVID, but, you know, there's mental considerations. There's, uh, you know, spiritual considerations. You know, it's a holistic approach in regards to the welfare of our community, you know, which is why we've, you know, through a small manner been able to reopen our chapels because we recognize the fact that, you know, there are emotional, mental, and spiritual needs that our chapels are uniquely positioned to provide support to. You know, these times are very trying. We 
simply don't you know close things only because of the health considerations. Uh, we're also looking at those other aspects to try to make it you know what's best for the community overall. Okay, well, I really, um, I really appreciate your time. Um, is there anything that you want to add that maybe we haven't touched on? No, I just want to thank everyone for their patience. Uh, this has been a trying time for everyone. Um, there have been some last-minute changes, uh, or, or should say, little, you know, little notice changes uh, to closures and so forth. I ask for your continued patience this time and. Vigilance is the wrong word, but we need just to reiterate the the washing of hands, the wearing of the mask, the social distancing. Uh, it really does make a difference. Uh, it does cut down on the transmission. Uh, I got it. We, we all think the masks are a pain in the butt sometimes, but it's just, it's those things that we have to consistently harp on, consistently do in order to protect our community, protect our workforce and, and get through this. And, Again, with these new vaccines coming in, you know, perhaps we are seeing the you know the end of the beginning and the uh, the start of what's going to be the end of this. Hopefully, within the next six to nine months. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of us are waiting uh, very patiently to see uh, how how this uh, vaccine thing works out. I mean, we all hope that you know it doesn't take us another eight nine months to get through this, but uh, at least it gives us some hope, something to look forward to. Exactly. Okay, well, thank you very much for being here with us today. We really appreciate your time, and um, we look forward to any good news we can get. Thank you. Good luck to everybody.